0: i bring you on to our huddle. You're in. Where's Huddle with me, Bram? No, Maxine today, but with me per usual, my boy and producer, MT. What's up, dumb Nation? Marcus, I am fired up to announce a rejoining us after hell of long. I mean, hell of long, the Golden State B-Writer for the San Francisco Chronicle, the presiding judge of our own honorable basketball court, a man whose tweet about Kaminga and Steph sitting courtside in Vegas made me start telling people that J.K. and Curry are best fucking friends now. And a guy you can't quite type Santa Antetokounmpo's name with his eyes closed, Mr. C.J. Holmes. What's going on, C.J.?
2: What up, everybody? Good to be back.
0: <laughs> Good to have you, man. Um, I'm going to type that. <laughs> Do my own kind of investigative reporting here. I'm looking behind you. It looks like a hotel room. I have been basically uh, stalking you on social media. You in Vegas right now?
2: Uh, I'm actually in a bunker in South Sudan. We <laughs> <laughs> have Wi Fi though.
0: I was so confident about that Vegas guest, too. That's, uh, you know, I'm going to, that really changes my outlet. I, I'm, we're going to have a lot of South Sudan questions now.
2: Um, I've uh, been out here since the start of Summer League on the 7th. I uh, was able to convince Miders, uh, you know, let me do some reporting out here until the 17th. So, so far, so good. I've been taking it real easy. Um, you know, girlfriend's going to be in town later in the week, so that'll be awesome. But uh, everything's been going well, and uh, it's, been, it's, it's been a good summer so far. It's been a good summer.
0: Here's some legal advice, CJ. If you begin a sentence with, I've convinced my editors to make me stay the entire week. The next portions of that sentence can't be, I've been taking it easy and my girlfriend's visiting in a couple of days. So we'll edit that out. You know, Maxine will be able to take care of that as we go forward. I mean, Marcus, when he first jumped on, he was writing hella stories, looked hella busy. I mean, he was like interviewing people. So, I mean, we got his back here. Yeah, I got a
2: so, shameless plug. I got a feature on Trace Jackson Davis coming out in the next 24 hours. So it's funny because before we got on the phone, we are kind of talking about Marvel and how uh, it's really falling off since end game And uh, uh, Trace is actually a huge movie fan, huge movie fan. So we got into a little bit of that and uh, it'll be a good glimpse into uh, the Warriors'
3: acquired second round pick. You you only know that if you work tirelessly ever since you've gotten there.
0: No, I mean, <laughs> what people don't know is the reason why CJ's girlfriend is coming in so you he could help with that piece. I mean, that, I mean they might not even have any personal time. Um, CJ, you've been nice enough to share some of your approaches to getting interviews with us in the past. and I you know I've asked you, not asked. I projected if I had a basketball past, I would use that to try to become friends with uh, with the players. I happen to know you not you know you're a movie aficionado and you're good at it you know you you can talk movies as well as anybody did you use that with trace did you casually bring it up you know like I'm a huge fucking marvel guy and and get yeah. into his good graces well like when I do got features on guys especially
2: like guys who you know aren't well known to the fan base always the first one I wanted to be less about basketball and more about you know who is this person what do they like what makes them tick so after we got into the interview a little bit, it's just a simple, you know, Trace, like, who are you, man? Like, Uh, take the basketballs away if you're bored on a Saturday night. You know, what are you doing? Um, I don't want to give away too much of the story. uh, But uh, that's how I kind of get into that stuff. And, you know, once you get into that stuff, you can get a real good picture of, like, who a person is.
0: Boom. I think we've satiated your editors. I'll uh, I'll follow up on the Vegas thing. So, personally, guys, working hard. (laughs) I have been to Vegas too many times. There's a period of my life I used to go there without a hotel room. I'd like spend the night at McCarran Airport on the floor if I needed to. But I have never gone there for Vegas Summer League. And I really want it. And my conception of it is that Summer League or Vegas during Summer League is like Disneyland, right? Like the same way my kid, when she goes to Disneyland and looks around, it's all these characters she's seen on TV in a very small place. I would imagine Vegas during summer league is like that. You know, you go around and you see like GMs everywhere and players everywhere, and just all these people who I've been following in one location. Is that right? You know, is it kind of like a mecca while it's going on?
2: Oh, for sure, it's a, it's a basketball mecca. And ever since the word, I mean, you're driving down the strip, you see Nikola Jokic's face plastered on the side of the Marriott Hotel. Um, you know, I see players walking up and down the strip in their free time, coaches, front office executives, agents. Um, you know, for anyone who covers the league, this is like the one event. You know, you, you can skip a lot of events. You can skip the All Star, you know, All Star weekend if you want to. But Summer League is truly where every corner of the league comes together, and um, everybody knows somebody. Um, it's a great place for networking. And then you take you take the you take the networking, you take the you know basketball, able to get the first glimpse of like you know rookies. You take that and you put that all aside, right? And you're still in Las Vegas, Nevada. <laughs> so it's um it's definitely cool i'm always thankful um every time i get the opportunity to come out here and do summer land I mean, this is my third or fourth summer league and um every year it just seems to be getting better and better so uh i love summer league i hope the nba's in-season tournaments can you know at least the championship semifinals championship can like capture some of the magic of summer league um it's definitely i would say if the top one of, if not the top basketball events, and it's unquestionably the top basketball event of
0: summer, we got to get out there. Um, and my gambling problems aren't as bad now as they were earlier in my life, so maybe I can actually make that happen. <laughs> we'll uh, we'll explore that down the line. Um, no shit, I got to ask. So off the court report, uh, you're out there, and let's set up the idea, and then give you a softball here. Off the court reports a segment we only occasionally get to do, but it's probably my favorite. And the idea is that it acknowledges the kind of access that CJ has, right? We you're listening to this podcast, you know what the hell happens on the court. You probably watch all these games the way we do. But CJ interacts with these dudes off the court. He has stories that happen outside of the arena. And shit, he's in Vegas. So for this segment, we just throw him a softball. Has he seen anything or any stories come to mind? CJ, what do you got?
2: Well, you got into it a little bit. I'm sure a lot of people saw it on social media, but you know, my thing is uh so we just get done with the Chris Paul interview. You know, everyone's rushing back to their seats to, you know, get a story up. And, you know, as I'm walking around the arena, I think they'll grab a ball of water. You look over there and, you know, Steph's walking in the gym. He takes a seat next to Jonathan Kaminga. Um, you know, they're on the bench talking, chatting up. And then here comes Chris Paul sitting down right next to them. And later and shortly after, here comes Gary Payton. And, uh, you know, here comes Moses. And, yeah, there's the picture right there. <laughs> But, um, well, I guess Moses was not there. But you, you get what I'm trying to say. And I guess the whole thing is one of the biggest storylines last year of the Warriors was their connectivity or lack thereof. And to see, you know, four prominent players on the squad in Vegas together, um, sitting courtside, you know, building that camaraderie, building that brother- brothership. You know, you saw some people, you know, tweeting out, you know, the vibes are back, the vibes are back in. You know, hopefully this is a sign that the vibes are returning. Um, one of the first things Chris Paul did when he arrived in Las Vegas was to get a workout in um, with Stephen Curry. I think he said it was their first time working out together since like 08. Yeah. That stuff is meaningful. That's the stuff you kind of want to hear um, when, you know, when it comes to interactions with teammates and stuff because that stuff snowballs and builds. And when you get to those regular season games, you know, there's a greater sense of togetherness up and down the roster because the Bricks – you know, began to be laid, began to be laid, the bricks began to be laid, the bricks, it worked for me, the bricks started building, <laughs> you know, months prior. Um So to me, that's something that's, you know, it may seem small. You see, you know, teammates sitting all the time, you know, sitting courtside at Summer League all the time, different players, and stuff like that. But to me, you know, that's symbolic that hopefully, you know, heading to this year, the Warriors can have a greater sense of connectivity because, you know, When it comes to, you know, when you think back to last year and why they didn't advance farther in the second round, why they didn't win a championship. um, You know, a lot of people say it started with the punch and with uh, Draymond Green and Jordan Poole and it kind of just snowballed and the vibes were off all year long. To me, seeing this is symbolic that this team, these players are going out of their way to rebuild that chemistry. Um, They can do that. They're already halfway there.
0: This thing feels like a huge deal and I was kind of I was, I was prepared for it. so you know I had this thing ready. We're now sharing my screen. We're looking at a picture, and it's gp G p two, Steph, and c p three all sitting together, um watching a Vegas game together. And when this came out, I couldn't have been more excited, and I was kind of nervous, cJ, to ask you about it because I thought you might downshift it. You might be like, ah, oh, no, you know, there's teammates sitting all over the place, but you did the exact opposite. You did exactly what I was hoping for. You know, you you find this as significant as I do. And I'll tell you what. Not only do I love that they're all sitting together, I love who's here. If I had to handpick the people who I would want to be like building a relationship, even soft or even more solidly during the off season, it'd be these guys. I love that JK is there. I love that CP three is already trying to ingratiate himself to the teammates. I love that GP two is there. I am, uh, I'm a huge fucking fan of this photograph. As you can see from the caption I put on Twitter, some pictures say a thousand words. This one says four. The culture. Is back, MT. You see this? What do you think, man? All locker room issues solved? Are we uh, are we right back to the championship culture?
3: I mean, I don't think it's all solved just by this, but it's um, it's a good sign, and a, you know, good stuff. Good uh-huh. Yeah, you know, there there are other teams there. You know, like you saw the Clippers there with, with PG and um, a few Clippers there, and, and other teams doing the same thing. But what what I like, and like you said, Bram, is the fact that CP3 is already there. Um, you know, that everybody's talking about it. it's an awkward fit. Is he going to come off the bench, blah, 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 blah. And, um, you know, he, he's just there and like, look, we're, we're going to figure it out. We don't know what that answer is yet, but we're just, you know, we're hanging out and building that camaraderie off the floor. I think to your point, it's um, it's a really good sign, and I like to see it.
0: We'll see. We got a lot of CP3 stuff coming up. So I'll I'll keep that in pocket for now. One more off the court thing. Um, I didn't even this shows how long it's been since I've been in Vegas. I didn't know about that $2.3 billion electronic dome that's out there now that I keep seeing pictures on social media. How yeah. awesome is it, dude? Like, is it is it crazy? I mean, give me, give me a first hand account. Have you seen it? Does it look like it's 2.3 billion? I mean, what are we talking about here?
2: I can confirm that I've seen the spear and that it looks very expensive. It's, uh, you know, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to like be too dramatic, but it's like a marvel of like modern engineering. I mean, to have a structure that big with like HD panels that can like, you know, you can put anything you want on there. I mean, that's super cool to me. And it's just like, it was funny. Cause like I was, um, I was in an Uber heading back to my hotel the other night and my, I think my driver made a wrong turn and ended up like near the sphere. And there's just tons of traffic on the street of people just like pulling over on the side of the road just to like sit there and watch it or sit there and take a picture. And what I didn't know is that there's actually an arena inside of the sphere. I thought it was just for like looks. And then to find out there is a, a an entire arena inside the sphere. I'm like, why can't we play summer league in the sphere? My only thing about the sphere is it's all fun and games till Someone finds out how to hack this sphere. Oh yeah, and, and you can let your imagination go from there. But
0: <laughs> I, I think it'll still be fun and games. You know, I'm, I'm real excited to see what the hell happens there. And like how you started this. If it is electronic, it can't be hacked. <laughs> <laughs> MT, did you like when CJ said, Look, I don't want to overstate this. I'm going to play it kind of cool. It is a marvel of modern <laughs> engineering. It is the most amazing thing I've ever seen in my life. But I don't want to, over- I don't want
3: to be dramatic, but ninth wonder of the world,
0: maybe? <laughs> <laughs> kind of ninth through 20th. You know, like don't even bother making any more modern marvels of the world because we now have them all. Uh, for people who haven't seen it, I think you're right, CJ, because somebody sent me a picture of it and then I went on a deep dive. It's a concert venue, and I think it's associated with the Venetian. They spent 2.3 billion to build a concert venue whose entire outside is all LED screens and they can use it to show whatever the hell they want. So um I hadn't thought of the hacking angle, but I'm now really looking forward <laughs> to the hacking angle. We'll uh we'll see how that plays. Oh, all right, let's turn. <laughs> to our glass half full. So this is a section we do all the time. And the idea is as easy as off the court, we look back at Warriors News and give something we like and something we don't. But recently, I haven't really been able to use it. I keep bringing it up and then I hedge it. But there's not a lot of Warriors News. Not true today, boys. We are swimming in Warriors Free Agency News. So today, we're not just going to start with this segment. We are using this segment for the entire podcast, it is the backbone of how we're going to approach this news. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a uh, a recent signing by Golden State and then ask both of you if you like it or don't and why. And let's start with the big one. All right. We've already alluded to it. I've talked about it a bunch on the show, but we haven't heard your guys' opinion. CP3. So the Warriors trade everybody on their roster under the age of... Uh, basically 25, uh, maybe more than that under the age of 30 to bring back Chris Paul. It's got a lot of attention. CJ, let me start with you, man. Like it or don't, uh,
2: you know, heading into summer league, I was talking myself into it. Um, you know, one of the biggest issues the Warriors had last year and, you know, over the last couple of years, is you know, those non curry minutes and stuff has to go to the bench and, you know, with that second unit in the production that they can bring. Um, maybe not so much so during the championship year a couple years ago, but it was still an issue. I still remember writing that at least a couple times um, throughout the year. But that said, some of the Warriors' biggest issues last year were that second, those second unit minutes and turnovers. And CP3 is a guy who can come in, you can insert him into that second unit. And he's going to run the shows. You keep turnovers low. He can bring out the best of a guy like John McCaminga. He has another young lob thread and trace Jackson Davis who the Warriors just acquired um, recently in the NBA draft um, out of Indiana, you know, get easy shots for guys like Moses Moody, Posempski, no things of that nature. However, that upside, that entire scenario is completely contingent on Chris being able to accept the lesser role of the Warriors, you know, much like Andre Iguodala had to a couple of years back. Um, However, comma, we then spoke to Chris. Um, out here in Las Vegas a couple days ago. And let's just say he didn't seem too thrilled with the idea of that, right? You know, you know, regardless of how he feels, when someone asks you, you know, what do you envision for your role? The, you know, granted, Chris Paul is Chris Paul. He's one of the greatest point guards of all time. He can say whatever the hell he wants, honestly. But I don't know. The, the typical answer to that question should be, you know, I'll do whatever, you know, Coach Steve Kerr and his team needs. Um, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm not looking to be a distraction. I'm just looking to come in, you know, play hard, and do whatever takes to help the team win. Um, now, granted, you know, then we talked to Chris and his response was more so, well, well, <laughs> you know, when asked about that, when asked about, you know, coming up in second, you know, the question is, uh, are you the coach? <laughs> you know, um,
0: and, like- and it was chippy as shit. I've got it here yeah. and we're going to play it in two seconds. All right. Um, before we do, because I have a lot of follow-ups on the whole you coaching um, back and forth. Before we do, MT, I want your opinion. I mean, bottom line, CJ. So factor in. We're going to talk about the starting thing and all of that. But bottom line, factor in. You, you've now talked to the man. You know, you've had a chance to think it out. Like or don't the CP3. Move, um, that's unfair to say. Do you think the move for Chris Paul uh, helps the Warriors become more of a title contender this year? I think it does.
2: Um, this is all the reasons I said uh, the fact that he can really, you know, be the spark plug in that second unit and help keep the turnovers uh, low and get the young guys involved. However, that's contingent in his ability to sacrifice and based on what we heard in Vegas. Yeah. I'm not sure if he's willing to do that. I could be wrong. It was just it just didn't rub me the right way. And if Chris Paul cannot sacrifice, that's going to be a problem. That's going to be a problem. It's going to hold the team back. If there's inter- internal issues of his playing time and his usage thing like that, because the guy hasn't came off the bench since like I think his like junior year of high school or something crazy like that. So you know, obviously it's going to be a major adjustment for him but that's what he's asked to do. But If Chris Paul is unwilling sacrifice and do what's best for the team then it could end up you know you, you can sit you can sit on the bench in summer league and you know say all, you know say all you want to your old videos for warriors nation but if chris can't sacrifice and if he is asked to come off that bench and he does not like that i think it's going to cause more tension
0: and more issues for this team and help them so i mean fuck man we just talked about the thing we we're most worried about is the vibes being back you know, mm-hmm. I wasn't eight seconds removed from tweeting the cultures back to then seeing <laughs> that that back and forth with Chris Paul. We're about to play. It's like, oh my god, like we have a brand new locker room problem. So, but I, I'm sorry to keep bearing. We're we going to go to that locker room problem, MT, before I play that because we'll talk about the the starters thing in a second. Just we we haven't heard from it. Generally speaking, this Chris Paul thing, man, good thing, bad thing. How did it hit you?
3: Um, same as as CJ, he, he hit it spot on for me. I, I think it's all of how he accepts his role, um, the, the amount of minutes that CP3 has logged in the past five or six seasons is arguably the reason why he breaks down in the playoffs. So I think him being willing to embrace uh, lighter load management, uh, coming off the bench and saving himself for the playoffs, uh, to me, is the ultimate question if he does that then i think we're better for all the reasons cj listed primarily ball security veteran presence um and you know just better defense than what you're giving up with um you know jordan pool and and those other picks and and players so i ultimately like it but um i think all of it in the kind of the chippiness that you heard from cp3 and what we'll get into when you play that clip i think that's mostly based on it being so new like he's going to his ultimate rival you know it's almost you know the the only worst situation would be as if we got james harden then you know like it, all bets are off for how williams fans react to that so cp3 was a nemesis we said a lot of things that we have to go back and scrub off of this podcast because of it now um, Not me. I've it, always been positive. You know, I think it takes time for him to get acclimated to that, and once he gets into that culture and he feels it, and he's playing, and you know his body is feeling better because he doesn't have as much responsibility throughout the regular season, I'm hoping that that translates into him accepting the role being a Manu Ginobili off the bench and it being a net positive for us.
0: So I'll pull up this quote. While I do, um, let me add one more analysis I haven't said yet into this mic for this, or Chris Paul, whether or not it's a good idea. depends on which playoff series you look at. Right, I look at the Lakers series and they lost. It was all the issues we had during the regular season. They were making poor fucking decisions at the end of the game. We were having IQ problems. We weren't making smart decisions. And that is exactly what Chris Paul will help with. Back up a series, though. Go to Sacramento. Took a game seven historical performance from our point, God, to avoid the loss. And the reason we were losing to that team is we were too old. Malik Monk was destroying us. You know, we didn't have anyone who could keep up with him. And getting rid of JP and bringing in Chris Paul doesn't necessarily fix that. So we could look at it from either angle. But all right, enough foreplay. Here is the back and forth between Chris Paul um, and I think it was Kendra Andrews. You'd
2: be coming off the bench playing with the second unit that's a lot younger than this, the Warriors of the past have been of JK and Moses. Just what do you think of, of their depth, their their bench players
4: that you might be playing alongside uh you coaching <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay well i don't know what is what the situation is going to be yet you know what i mean so i think that'll be for us to to figure out once we get going
0: all right so let's start baseline cj were you uh there were you there live as you watched that uh unfold
2: i was i was the opposite of chris on the other side
0: awkward i mean was it what's what was the feel he says that you know like because when it happened if i was there I can see taking no notes, but just like looking down so that I didn't have to be making eye contact with anybody. Cause it's just a, it felt awkward watching it on the screen in person. Was it, was it a weird back and forth? Oh, it was, it was, it
2: was very awkward. And, you know, Chris had a couple of, uh, I want to call it sassy, but you know, he had a couple of snippy, you know, remarks along, you know, similar questions, you know, throughout the press conference. Now, Kendra's an incredible reporter. Um, I give her tons of credit for asking the hard question. Right. Yeah. Um, Maybe phrase it a little differently. I don't know. But, you know, at the same time, it's Chris's reaction to that, which is kind of has me worried, right? Um, Hell yes. It's the reaction. Because, like I said, normally it would be, hey, you know, most guys would say something like, hey, you know, like I said earlier, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to, you know, help the team win. And for Chris, a guy who has zero NBA championships despite his, you know, laundry list of accol- accomplishments and accolades in the NBA – you know, winning that championship should be at the forefront of his mind. He should be willing to do whatever it takes um, to accomplish that and should present himself as such. But, you know, but at the same time, you gotta, you gotta, you know, you gotta love Chris Ball for keeping it real, you know, for keeping it honest. You know, that fieriness is, you know, why he's been able to accomplish everything he accomplished in his NBA career. But, you know, that press conference in general just, you know, Rub me the wrong way a little. And it kind of makes me worried about him being able to, you know, accept a reduced role if that's indeed what he has to do. And on paper, it looks like that's kind of what you have to do. You start Chris Paul, who are you taking out the starting lineup. Like Clay Thompson isn't sitting down anytime soon. You bench Looney. Like, yeah, you, you might score a lot of points, but you're going to be getting dumped on left and right. <laughs> um, so. It's a uh, it's 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 a delicate situation. Um, I do not envy Steve Kerr at all for these conversations he's going to have to have during training camp in the fall, and how the Warriors balance on that tightrope will go a long way in determining just how good they are next year.
0: So we're gonna. The next question is gonna be: Should he start? And if he should, who should they sit right? Looking at just like hearing that comment, awkward. Would I like to have handled it differently? So I think I understand where it came from. Um, in order to have the kind of career that Chris Paul did, you have to have an enormous ego. You have to believe yourself to be the greatest person on the floor at any point. And I can see bristling if I've spent my entire, you know, decades dominating the thing I do. And then somebody asking something that suggests my skill level has slipped a little bit. I can see having a fucky response. I I get where that came from. But to address what you're talking about, CJ, it's not just that he hasn't won a title and this is his best chance. Although you're right. It's the circumstance. Phoenix just decided they're better without him, and they they put him into a basketball jail in Washington. The Warriors rescued him from that basketball jail. Don't disrespect my Wizards. I'm sorry. Okay. A a city that is poised to not win anything, but I'm sure it's not a basketball jail. But in that circumstance, right, he, he goes from there has to be at least some honest look at my career isn't where I'd really like it to be right now, you know, and then he comes here to golden state when he's asked that question, there's a lot of ways he could have said what he said without making it a fuck you, you know, and you could start with the, look, we haven't talked about role yet. I mean, cause that's really what he's saying and we'll figure it out, but, and then trigger everything you talked about, but, I'm here to win. I'm why my my perspective is wide open. I'm willing to do anything. So, you know, let's see. Let's see where it goes, especially in the first fucking press conference. We can get through the introductory press conference without immediately starting some kind of drama in the locker room. Um, but Marcus, I'm way more conflict based. You know, I I like to read F you into things that might not have them. You heard that. What do you think, man? Was it was it an fu? Was it just a they caught him off guard and he just responded the way he did?
3: Again, I still think it's him getting used to idea to the idea that he's playing with the Golden State Warriors. Um, but you know, I, a huge caveat that you know CJ is in the room, and um, I'm a big believer in the energy in the room. And if he's saying that the energy, you know, you could you could feel it, then you know I roll with that. So um, my hope is that it's just him getting acclimated to the fact that he's playing for the team that was kind of his rival for his entire career. And, you know, he's, he's going to have to accept the role, you know, there's great players never want to hang it up. And, And, you know, he's one of the best point guards to ever do it. Even though he's 38, he still feels like he should be starting. When you look at it on paper, he should not be starting. So, you know, it'll be an interesting conversation and hopefully he's willing to humble himself from that point and, really take over and you know you hear a lot about how jk and some of the other players will benefit i think clay thompson will benefit the most from that when it's the second unit and he's in charge and he's got the full green light the fact that chris paul can set up the offense and kind of get him his shots where he doesn't have to you know go off the dribble quite as much anymore i think will really benefit him so hopefully he will embrace it you know steve kerr has a history of Um, playing his centers and starting them, and they still only get about 12 minutes per game, depending on the lineup. So, you know, as long as Chris Paul is okay with not starting, but still playing 30 minutes a game, I think it should
0: be all right. You know what I liked about the back and forth? My favorite part about it was Kendra's answer. You know what's more one of the only things more aggressive than a rhetorical question? An answer to a rhetorical question. If I for no reason was like you know who the best warriors podcaster is, you know, just like super condescendingly threw that out there. And then one of you're like, yeah, it's not you. That is an incredible fuck you for him to have said, are you coaching? I mean, I'm pretty sure he knows that she's not on the coaching staff. And for her to say no was so fantastic. It, t- I mean, it took a lot of, um, career confidence. She knows who she is. And I was really impressed by it. CJ, I cut you off. What were you going to say?
2: Hey, I would have been like, look, Chris, look, Steve ain't resigned that contract yet. So, I might be the coach. You better be uh, but, you, you don't know. You don't know, Chris. I might, I might be the coach. Like, like, you don't know. And I got, I got one more small off the court report. So, after Chris finishes his press conference, and this is the, one of Marcus's points, you know, that you know, Chris still wrapping his head around the idea that he's a Golden State Warrior. As Raymond Ritter is handing him his jersey, you know, for his photo op, you hear Chris mumble. Never thought I'd see the day.
0: No. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that makes two of us, Chris. That makes two of us. But you know what? Welcome aboard. All right. So the next one, should he start gentlemen? So let's say CJ knowing that you're going to be joining the roster next year as a member of the coaching staff, Kirk calls you right now and says, look, man, I'm not sure. I got this problem. It's, it's getting bigger and bigger. Everybody's starting to report that he might start. What should I do? Should I start Chris ball? What would your advice be?
2: Absolutely not for all the, for all of the points that we've made so far on the pod. But the numbers are the biggest supporters. The Warriors, when healthy, have the best starting five in basketball. I don't know if it's net rating or offensive rating, but they're pretty damn good, and we all know it. The issue is the bench. (laughs) The issue is the bench, and it just makes all too much sense for Chris to come off the bench. Um, To Marcus's point, a lot of the wear and tear on his body is because of the high minutes that he's played throughout his career why not put him in a situation where he has to play less minutes that keeps him fresher for longer yeah. and he can take care of the Warriors turn the ball over left and right last year chris is never going to turn that thing over and he can get like you said clay easy shots that second unit is going to be getting some of the easiest looks that they've ever gotten in their career if chris is running the show and it just it just works out right and again you if you if if you if you want to Start Chris then who you taking out? Exactly. That's you exactly can't right. take out Wiggins or Draymond. No, they're your best defenders. You need to take Looney off the court. It's Lob city, but not for the Warriors. Yes, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. So, oh yes. So, yes. so it, it makes the most sense for Chris to come off the bench, and, and you know I hope he realizes that because if if he does that, if he's willing to accept and embrace that. It's funny because every time Chris goes to a new team over these last couple of years, like, oh, this is his best chance. This is his best chance. No, this is his best chance to win a championship. It's right there in front of him. You know, Um, I don't want to tell the point guard to humble himself, right? I need to humble myself. But this is a great opportunity for him.
0: He fits a glaring need for this team, checks a lot of boxes. He just has to go out there and do it. I couldn't agree more than if if I had any real shit to talk about that back and forth he had with Kendra. It's the attitude that it reflects. I was really hoping, as I've talked myself into this, because I have, I'm I'm now excited for the move. And I, I think that they do have a shot at title contention. But that was all based on the idea that Chris Paul would also be really excited about this new opportunity. You know, and one of the things, just like you said, MT, you know, it's not about starting, it's about finishing. And what I would hope is that, He wants to come in and have a regular season where he's playing less than 30 minutes a game, you know, where he's resting his body for the 16 games that matter. And then when he comes into those 16, he's focusing on closing them out, not starting them. And that FU response suggests like, no, he's here to continue to be the person he always has been, which, you know, and and to be fair this is what Kerr is really good at. They haven't had the discussion and maybe he will be able to, to smooth this over and it disappears, but it was a little concerning. And do I want him to start? No, it doesn't make any sense. The uh, CJ, you hit the nail on the head. The two basic options from what I can tell are Claire loon as the guy who's sitting of those two, the only person who could mentally handle it is probably Looney. No one at any point ever looked at the starting five last year and thought themselves, you know what we have too much size. Let's get Loon <laughs> off the floor, dude. Like, where you know, yeah. like, I don't know why we need anybody above 6'8. So, no, that doesn't make any sense. You can't pull that. Um, and and I I I think he should finish, but I don't think he should start. MT.
3: Yeah, I agree. I don't think he starts. I mean, you look at who uh if all five starters are sitting, who's the second unit? You have CP three, GP2, Moses, <clears throat> Kaminga, and Sarge. Like, that's a strong second five that can, that's like thirty NBA wins. Exactly, that can, <laughs> that can keep you in games. That can give you know the our veterans enough rest. And you know, I, I just to me, when you lay that out and say, Chris, we need you to accept this role and lead these guys. You know, that's the perfect kind of players for him. He knows Sarge played with him in Phoenix. He's got a jumper and Kaminga that he can do the pick and roll with. He's got somebody in the corner. Moses can go stick the three when he's, you know, doing the pick and roll and a defender drops too much. And then he's got GP two to kind of play a big guy and help on the defensive end. So to me, you know, for all the points you said, there's nobody that makes sense for him to drop. And it makes too much sense for him to lead that group and really get the best out of them.
0: Well, the thing that you just hit out of the park, I think too, this hedges against that. um, I never thought I'd see the day take, right? It's all how you phrase it. If you go to him and say, we, we need you. This is not a championship roster without you. The thing that we missed the most last year, a team that was trying to defend his title, what we missed the most is your skill set, you know, and what where we need that skill set is within the second unit and then finishing games. We need this desperately from you, you know? So this isn't, you're not changing the role because your skills aren't there anymore. This isn't a product of age or, you know, degradation. It's a, this is what we desperately need. And you're the guy who can do it the best, you know? So please come in and do this. Um, Do you think that as this goes forward, I mean, it's, it's a bald faced guess, um, but do you think this is going to cause locker room issues beyond the preseason, or you know, will we'll Kerr negotiate this away, and you know, by December we're no longer worried about any of this bullshit?
3: Unless you take that, MC. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, TBD. You, you hope, you know. Like, I, I think for as long as Chris Paul has been in the league, I think this version of Chris Paul, I have, I have a a good hope and I think that he'll do it if you get the first year of LA Clippers or the early Hornets days Chris Paul then it's different because his ego is too big and he's too talented so I I think so and I hope so and I you know there's there's cause for concern just because of the comments that he made but to me that it just makes too much sense for him to come off off the bench and like a lot of people are saying oh well the type of play like his style is pick and roll and the Warriors are free flowing and you know like they don't match to me that's a positive I think the fact that we'd be able to change our style to adapt a lot of teams have been able to pick up and and switch everything and take away some of the backdoor cuts in the free-flowing offense that made us so you know successful so to be able to have a different way of playing Chris Paul brings that I think that just makes us a little stronger and be able to adapt to different teams versus always having to grind our way through and saying, this is the only way we know how to play. And that's not,
2: and that's like not even to say that Chris Paul will never start as we see in the playoffs every year. Steve Kerr isn't afraid to tinker lineups, you know, based on matchups, like who the team is playing on a night to night basis, like the flow of how series are going, you know, going small with Chris Paul, Chris at the one, Steph at the two, Clay at the three. Andrew Wiggins at the four, Grant at the five. I mean, that can be like the best small ball lineup in the NBA. You know what I'm saying? So, and and, and and you know, another point is, and kind of what MT, what you said, Bram. It's it's not always about starting. It's a lot of the times about those five guys on the court to finish games, dude.
0: Andre Iguodala came here, made it an enormous sacrifice, came off the bench, and ended up the finals MVP during the Warriors' first championship year. The, the fact that you're not starting doesn't mean you're not an enormous contributor. It doesn't even mean you won't be finals MVP. You know, you just got to buy in and figure out how your puzzle piece completes the championship picture. It is what it is, and I guess we'll, we'll see where it goes. Last CP3 uh, question, and it's towards you, C.J., because you just recently had an article where you detailed the relationship between Paul and Steph, uh, how Chris Paul and Steph Curry click for Warriors sounds promising. What's their relationship? How long have these guys known each other? You know, what's what's the background here?
2: It's uh well uh, I I know that Chris sort of take it, took Steph under you know his wing as you know Steph was coming out of Davidson, um, you know as Chris told everyone each other's families went to each other's weddings um you know of course they have those north carolina ties and i believe like the relationship was like a lot stronger you know early on earlier in their relationship but when things got a little chippy i don't forget which series it was um the series where steph took the three chris threw the elbow yep. i've mean, the to help you know post form and the Steph. um that was kind of like the first sign that you know things between them might be getting a little chippy right yep and think of it from Chris Paul's standpoint, like years back, you know when Chris Paul was still at the problem with his powers, he was the player that was viewed as like the man next up yep. to win a championship, and then all of a sudden it was Steph, yep, and you know, and with that, you know like i said i, I i'm not i'm not I'm not them so like I can't I don't want to get too yeah. into it, yeah, but like as a competitor, you know naturally you're, you're, and not to mention it was all these Steph's teams knocking Paul out the playoffs year after year after year, with that has to come a little bit of like tension right um chris said they hadn't worked out so since like 08 why that kind of that kind of (laughs) says something right you haven't worked out with with your boys since 08 y'all got such a good relationship you haven't worked out since
0: 08 like you know what
2: i'm saying so it's it's stuff like that um but uh you know it seems like if 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 Stephen Curry didn't want Chris Paul on his basketball
0: team. Then Chris Paul would not be on this basketball team. Yes, exactly right. And and he's ex- and he's excited for it. Um yeah. I mean I, I pulled a clip from Summer League. I won't play the full thing for you now, but we'll we'll put it in post. But it's Steph talking about what Chris Paul adds.
3: Has it set in that Chris Paul is going to be your new teammate?
4: Yeah, it has. I mean, obviously you won't to the you know, regular season comes around when you actually start playing basketball, but Starting to think about how the rotations will work and certain play calls and all that stuff. So your imagination is starting to get a little bit more vivid. Uh, He's in in the fold officially. So, you know, we're excited about the challenge. We talked about it. A lot of high IQ guys trying to figure out how to win and uh, looking forward to it. And and look, obviously some some different styles of play between you and him and, and Clay.
1: You're talking about trying to figure out the fit. On and off the court, how do you feel like he is going to fit in with the school and state Warriors team?
4: I mean, historically, we've been successful with, you know, versatility in terms of different skill sets and trying to mesh them all together, obviously, centered around you know, Coach Curry's system and, and what's made us, you know, a really potent offense and defense. So, you know, CB has a very defined skill set in what he's done for his whole career. is why he's, you know, one of the greatest point guards to play. Um, and the way that he sees the game, I think that that'll fit anywhere. He's elevated teams that he's been on his entire career, so I expect the same. You know, with us, and knowing that we're trying to get back to the mountaintop and um, how it'll look, like you know, we'll see. But uh, I just know we're all committed to winning. That's that's the the beauty of, of how we're built.
0: Um, and I mean, it's it, it's not breaking any new ground. It's everything we've already said. But he and doesn't Steph seem was, upset you know, by it. You know, yeah, so I mean, Steph
2: was like a counselor at CP3's basketball camp. Imagine. Yeah from mentor to this guy is the one keeping me from winning a championship every yeah. year. Hell
0: yeah! No, I wouldn't have that maturity. I would never be able to get over that. I think we all know I would be like super pissy the entire time. Um, but hopefully, and it's a very low bar, Chris Paul has a lot more maturity than I do. Um, uh, we are running late, and I have a basketball court for you, CJ, that I desperately need your opinion on. So let's get through these next two kind of quick here. This next signing I was excited for, and it's the most recent, Dario Sarik. So the Warriors got him for one year, $2.7 million, After a whole bunch of back and forth, kind of felt like Sarek might have wanted more money, but when he realized it had to be the minimum, this was the place he wanted to play uh, for the minimum. Uh, 29-year-old, 6'10 forward who can shoot. Played about 14 and a half minutes last year for the Thunder. Averaged uh, five and a half points, or I'm sorry, 5.8 points, about four rebounds, and shot almost 40% from three. Either of you boys, like it or don't? What do you think about the move? I like it. Well, a lot
2: of people forget early in Darius Sarr's career, he was one hell of a player of the Philadelphia 76ers. Then, um, you know, started moving around the league a little bit. Production will fell off. He had the ACL tear. Um, but, you know, he's fully recovered from that. And, you know, there's a, there a while where he was starting for those Phoenix teams that were contending out in the West. Right. So this is a this is a quality pickup. He fits the system. Um you know, high basketball IQ can you know, be good, fit in the, in the Warriors, read and react offense. Um, has a good enough shot so it could be respectable for you know, add to the spacing. And he while he's not like ancient right at, at twenty nine, he's still pretty young and has all lot good basketball ahead of him. Um he's and his guys come to the Warriors, um, they win and then they play themselves into more money elsewhere. So I'm sure that's at the forefront of Dario's mind right now and I think it's a it's a good deal for both parties involved. Um, we talked to Mike Dunleavy Jr. yesterday, and he said, you know, they were on staric, you know, from like day one. Yep. Negotiations took longer, uh, you know, longer than they thought to, you know, settle. But uh, at the end, they got their guy and they got a good fit.
0: Reminds me of Bializza. He's a big man who can shoot, who won't make a whole lot of errors, and actually might be a better contributor. Um, I'm on board for the Dario thing. I started getting worried when he didn't sign immediately because the rumor came out like a week ago, and then we kept waiting and waiting and waiting, but it finally landed. Um, MT, give us a take on the other signing. Corey Joseph, also signed for one year, 3.1 million, gets a little bit more money, but it's about the same. He's 31 years old, 6'3", backup, point guard, and similar minutes, but a little bit better than Dario last year. I think he was in Detroit. Nineteen minutes a game, seven points, three and a half assists. Also, can shoot the three at about thirty-eight point nine percent. What do you think, Marcus? Like it or don't? Yeah, I like
3: it. I've always liked Corey Joe's Corey Joseph's game. Um, he's basically replacing Ty Jerome. Um, it's sad to see Ty go because he was, you know, pretty solid for us. Um, but you know, it's it's a good pickup. And again, what he does is he brings veteran presence and the ball security, which are two things that we desperately need. So the fact that he's got one of the better assist to turnover ratios and he's added, you're adding Chris Paul which you know he's always been great at that to me it's it's a win-win situation if you know few things were more infuri- infuriating as a Warriors fan last season than just the unforced turnovers. Like you would just scream at your television screen. So um we'll still get a few of those from Draymond just because that's how he plays and you need to have that but um, thankfully when the second unit comes in, uh, you know, Chris Paul I and mean, Corey Joe has to come in and spell people when they're injured or out in load management. Um, we hopefully won't be having those same frustrations.
0: Every time you use the phrase Corey Joe, I laugh to myself, is that like a is does he have a go to nickname? I feel like he's the I'm really I'm oh, here. I also oh, no. like it. I, I, did not, you, I thought, Okay, I mean I just didn't just didn't know. I mean I'm I'm very impressed that he does in fact have one out there. Um Great I, will it, say,
3: I think that's where it came from.
0: I saw, Ty, uh,
2: I saw
3: Ty in
2: the one hotel the other day. He's doing good. <laughs> oh, nice. nice. He got it. good thinking, right? I can't confirm that Ty Jerome's doing just fine. Yeah, he okay, got fucking
0: paid. <laughs> with the, what Corey Joseph made me think when they signed him, but the same thing for CP3, and in some ways, Dario. Rewind the clock. I don't know, man. Four or five months ago, I'm uh, at a bar with CJ, and we're watching that fucking Utah game. And the Warriors are up, whatever the hell it was. And CJ calls. Watch this. He's like, watch this. There's going to be a steal or a turnover. And the whole time I'm telling him, fuck you. There's no. And then that's exactly what happens. Well, I tell you going to be telling the Okay. Yeah. You know I mean, I'm <laughs> giving you enough props. We don't need to like <laughs> slow it down. Right. But that happens. Everybody remembers how the game ends. Two terrible unforced turnovers and the Warriors lose. These signings make me feel like Mike Dunleavy was at that bar with us, was like, never again. It's like, (laughs) I don't care how we lose, but we're not losing like that last topic, gentlemen. All right. And this is our basketball court. So here's the idea. We all find ourselves in situations, social settings where somebody does something and you feel like it's wrong, but you never get to like bring them to court and figure out whether or not what they did was socially acceptable. In basketball court. We have our own judge, the Honorable C.J. Holmes, who presides. I give him a social situation. He tells me whether or not it is acceptable. Uh, He just used his gavel to ring us in. Here's the scenario and a little bit of background. So I've I've mentioned this before. Um, I drive into the city every day. I park in an underground garage right by my office. And so that requires me to go in, park the car, get in an elevator, come on up. And it's a consistent universe of people. You know, we don't know any of the people. I don't. I go out of my way to not say hi. Because if you do, now I've got to have a conversation with them every morning. But we recognize each other. You know, it's like being in the same neighborhood kind of deal. And so there's like five or six people I see in this elevator almost every day. And we go in there and it's like a 30-second ride. Today, one of those guys came in and faced the back the entire time. They didn't say anything. There's no problems. But instead of facing those doors, stood in the back facing the back for the entire 30 seconds. Then when it opened up, turn around and left. It made me feel like he was going to blow up the building. I, I I feel like this man was a serial killer. I don't, I don't understand why he would do that. I felt very uncomfortable. So it goes to you socially acceptable. CJ. If somebody comes in an elevator, is there some unwritten rule that we all have to be standing forward or is it okay if someone decides to face the back without talking? It's definitely
3: odd.
2: No, it's not socially acceptable. Like, I was a weirdo. Who does that? <laughs> like, like it's one thing if it's like a really packed elevator and you got to, like, you know, get in where you fit in. But, like, it was just, like, two guys in an elevator and you're, like, facing the wall. Like, who does that? Like, what that girl That's That was probably the guy that girl on the flight was talking about.
0: This guy is not <laughs> real. <laughs> 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 well, it was interesting. So, like, we got to go up three floors, right? So this guy got up or got on the elevator on the second floor. So that first floor, we come up and everyone's fine. I mean, we're not talking at all. That guy gets on. And then when he turns around, the energy in that fucking elevator got weird as shit. You know, and it was only, we're talking however long it takes to go up one floor. I mean, like eight seconds, but during those eight seconds, I think all of us felt like our life might be ending soon. So on the off chance you listen, come on, guy, just look at the doors, dude. Like I don't, there's, you've been on a million elevators with a million people, all million of them looked at the doors, look at the doors. It's an unacceptable thing. Uh, Marcus, I I can see you doing something weird like that. Have you been a wrong way elevator rider before?
3: Yeah, I, I think it's completely socially unacceptable. It goes against the unwritten rules of how to behave like a normal human in society. Um, if you're not talking to somebody, if you're with somebody on the elevator and you're talking, then I can see it, then it makes sense. But otherwise, I think he was just doing a social experiment and he was probably recording <laughs> it and you guys are on video somewhere on YouTube. Well,
2: like, good. even the side of the elevator is fine, All right, Like... It's like, right. Elevators is like this, right? Like this side, this side are fine. You know, the back side towards the door is like standard, but like to like face the back of the elevator. You're trying
0: to bother people. There's no question at all. Um, (laughs) But I also realized I was so eager to get that ruling. I ushered us past the 14th roster spot question. MT, I know you had a question about that. To you.
3: Yeah, I'll go really quickly. Um, So this is a wish that I have. I realize it's probably not going to happen, but CJ, any possibility that the Warriors use their 14th roster spot and convincing Christian Wood to somehow take the minimum, build his career, and get the bag next year like Dante DiVincenzo did?
2: Oh, man. I mean, that'd be a great pickup. A guy averaged, like, what, 16-8 and last year in Dallas? Um, I think, you know, I've heard some things about Christian Wood in terms of, like, his presence in the locker room and, like, you know, ability to be coached. Um, That kind of rubs me the wrong way, but I don't have any – you know it's all rumors. I don't have any substantial evidence of that, but you know, considering those if those things are true, because it's a guy hit that talented to be unsigned right now is insane, right? Um, yeah, yeah. but you know, you know, and, and granted, yeah, he, he's definitely more than a minimum player. Um, and if those issues are true, that's probably why he's having so trouble, much trouble finding a new home. But if the Warriors can sag a guy like Christian Wood. I mean, that'd be incredible. He fits the system, can shoot it, super dynamic. Um, and he, yeah, he'll be the 14th roster player, but he'll get some pretty serious minutes. You know, if he can get his act together, um, the Warriors go that route. I don't know, but yeah, you know, we talked to Mike Dunleavy Jr. yesterday about the 14th roster spot, and you know, is it you know what are they thinking for that? Um, they said they definitely want to add a guy of some size um, and versatility, and the longer the better. And Christian Wood fits that.
0: Yeah, I mean, if it's the exact description, right? Uh, in today's game, the big man has to have skill, and that is Christian mm-hmm. Wood when he's when he's not upsetting people. Um, we'll go super, super, super fast version. I'm looking at a list of unrestricted free agents who are still on the market. I'm going to give you a name. You guys tell me interested or not, all right? Bismack Biombo. Nah. Yeah. Willie Cauley-Stein. Yeah. Man, you got some JaVale on them, maybe. He's, he's thirty. Uh, Demarcus Cousins, thirty-three years old. Absolutely not. <laughs> uh, Boban uh, Marano, or Marjanovic. I never always fuck up his last name. Uh
2: no, nah, they got they got enough. I mean, he's more of a guard. He's basically a guard. They got enough of
0: that. Oh, I know Boban, Boban. Boban, big ass Boban. Like nah, seven three move. Boban. He can't move. Nah, no, he cannot. Uh, Tristan Thompson. No,
3: no, no. <laughs> you can't add CP3 and Tristan Thompson. Yeah, <laughs> <absolutely not. laughs>
0: last two names Bowl Bowl. 24 years old. Intriguing. Big. Had a great start to the season last year in Orlando. Very before it all fell apart. Very intriguing. Not enough defense a la-
3: for me. Not enough
0: defense. Onto DiCoupo's brother, uh, Thanassis. Any interest? Maybe we bring him on, show him how great definition, it is here. And-
2: the definition of a veteran minimal guy. Okay.
0: It's really, we would just be doing it for the recruiting pitch he'd be giving his brother, uh, CJ. Thank you, man. Um, I look forward to your episode all week. It did not disappoint. I am sure I'm not alone for people who need way more homes in their life. Where do they go?
2: You can find me on at CJ Homes 22 on Twitter, Instagram, and now threads. And as always, I appreciate retweets, not likes. Y'all have been killing me lately. (laughs)
0: i retweeted some shit today literally today (laughs) the the threads thing makes me a little nervous i I thought it wasn't me um i we've got to join threads probably but i just don't want to start back over do you know how long it took to try to get followers on twitter like having to start from zero makes me so nervous i just oh no
2: no no. it's like a lot more convenience as soon as you create account it like sends an alert to everyone who you follow on instagram okay and like and like it'll like it'll make you automatically follow a bunch of people, like like do you want to follow everyone on your Instagram who has threads? Like you can say yes or no, so and they then they all get an alert. And then like like I've had threads for like two days. I'm on like 560 followers, probably a thousand by the league. So
0: I mean, no big deal. That me that puts all the pressure on ours. I'm still not joining <laughs> it because who knows how fast we'll get there. For us, remember uh, we are on various forms of social media. Just type in where's Otto, you'll find us. That's true for YouTube as well. And Patreon, with that in mind, go Warriors. Hopefully, see you real soon.
1: Good, good.